Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Well, we are continuing to navigate through these difficult times. And on the podcast, we are looking at how businesses are both adapting, but also how others are continuing to grow despite COVID-19. It is important, after all, not to dwell on the problems and to look to the future. So this week, three businesses and very different ones at that. We speak to the Chocolatier, the college-going website and the charity. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie. My next guest has got the best name for her company. Um, It's called The Exploding Tree. And when I looked at it first, I was going, I have no idea what that business does. But when I found out what it did, I became very, very interested really quickly. Alison Roberts, founder of The Exploding Tree. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Uh, We have a rule on the podcast that any food-based product has to be delivered to me for consumption before we actually get to talk about it but in the current circumstances you're getting a Hail Mary pass on that one right tell us a little bit about what you do Alison um so I am I'm now I'm a bean to bar chocolate maker so uh, the back half of my house is a granny flat that we've converted into a chocolate factory so basically I spend spent part of my day in the back of the house all geared up with all the you know chef's Chef's White's on making chocolate from cocoa beans with and coconut sugar. So my, my main two ingredients are, are fair trade coconut sugar and, and cocoa beans. And mix them together and magically make chocolate. Can I ask you, what would five-year-old Alison Roberts make of your chosen career? Absolutely delighted. Yeah, delighted. I mean, it was I was about nine when I got into it. So at that stage, and that kind of everybody kind of thought, you know, as you do, they think it's cute. Um, and you'll probably grow out of it, but and I, I definitely thought I was going to grow out of it. But I'd say um, five-year-old Alison would be egging me on for sure. Yeah, she'd be delighted. With what yeah, you're doing. chocolate you're factory getting... in the back. That's what I keep on saying. <laughs> chocolate factory in the back of your house. If you do that, then it means anything's possible. So that's one of my big things. That's why you're rolling with it. Um, your accent is not a Clannacilty accent, which no, is I'm... where the 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 business is. So where are you from originally? I'm ca- Canada originally. Yeah, we've been in West Cork. Been in Clannacilty for. 12 years now and where we are now we've been seven years we're right in the town center what brought you to cork we so um we actually kind of came over i came over i just had gotten married um in australia and um we came over here kind of for a honeymoon for six months after we got married and then we just like most people it's a bit of a black hole down here you you set foot in west cork and then you you're never seen again (laughs) so We've, we've just been here ever since. We love it. My husband's a musician, so we just fell just fell right in the right spot. So we're delighted. We've, I love Clonakilty. And I, I also say, when I do workshops and stuff, I wouldn't be doing what I'm, I'm doing now if it wasn't for the place I live. It's Clonakilty in West Cork. And Ireland is just such a community-focused, people-focused um, place and really encouraging. I just think it's a really encouraging atmosphere for small business and people-minded business. So that's, I just love it. I just I just love it here. Well, chocolate is a great universal uh, and yeah. people people like it. And again, there's very few doors you'd be turned away from if you, yeah. if you arrived with chocolate in your hand. But yeah. making the kind of chocolate that you do, is, is that tricky? Because you, you mentioned <laughs> your two core ingredients there, ethically sourced uh, cocoa and coconut sugar. I mean, they, they, they're not exactly growing on the streets around Clan. No, um, no, I find like, that's the thing that I love about chocolate, actually. It's the thing that's kept me interested all these years is um, no matter, like you can, you can keep delving deeper. It's, it's one of these things, it's so rich culturally. 
you know, we give it as gifts, we, we use it as symbols of love. Um, but it's also, it's got this really dark, you know, horrendous uh, history, the way it's developed as an in- industry, slavery. Um, so there's all these kind of colliding um, feelings ar- around chocolate. And the more you delve deeper, the more you can learn. Um, but also you can play with ingredients. We're not actually just stuck with conventional cane sugar um you can play with um different percentages and different flavors and different kind of um textures so you can get people to kind of question what they it's basically and food you know food is food is central to life but we you you can get people questioning what you know about chocolate what is this chocolate that we just consume and assume that we almost treat it like it is local but it's not you know the the main two ingredients that we use for chocolate making have to come from halfway across the world and they are from some of the most impoverished and and poorly treated places in the world so it's it's something connecting to that that i find really like it, it gives me um it gives me great kind of passion and it gives me great energy and how can you be assured that what you're dealing with is 100% fair trade which is what it says on the label because you, you, you can't exactly go over to these plantations uh, week no, yeah. by week and, and work out well it's okay they're, they're doing the right things this yeah, week absolutely yeah so fair trade, I mean, that's why fair trade is a system. It's the oldest certification. Um, it was developed, and that's what I'm passionate about. I'm, I'm more of a bottom-up, grassroots type person. I, I believe in small business. That's how fair trade started. It, it's, it started as a passion. People with businesses, small small businesses, people wanting to make sure they were sourcing ethically, but they couldn't do the travel. So I've been over to where my, my cocoa comes from just once. It was six years ago. Um, and I haven't, um, you know, I, I don't intend on going back maybe for another couple of years again, because it's expensive and I try to limit my air travel anyway. But fair trade as a certification system, that's why it's so brilliant. The whole system is set up with amazing checks and balances along the entire system. People themselves, like farmers themselves, we have to remember in, in the best set you know when 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 allowed to and given the right conditions of course they don't want their kids to be working of course nobody wants to be in slavery so if given the empowerment and the tools and the knowledge and the support that they need these are they 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 will they you know they're going to run their farms just like we want to run our small businesses we want to run them well and ethically but unfortunately it's the prices that have been driving farmers into poverty and impoverished conditions and the industry that is just completely you know, it's it's a South it's South American cocoa, South American, but it was brought to West Africa. So now West Africa, Ghana, where my cocoa come from, and its neighboring country, the Ivory Coast, they account for seventy percent of the world's cocoa is grown in those two countries, and it's not native to there, and it's built off the back of slavery. So it's this part of the world that, yeah, absolutely, it's it's rampant, mm-hmm. and it. But people do want to make people obviously want to make change. They want a better life for themselves and for their children, and fair trade by paying the right amount and by having the correct, um, you know, these checks and balances in place to educate around fertilizers. And and safety and um, child labor and making sure that everything along the way um, mm. is, is checked. But the run is cooperative. So my cooperative is called Coopacoco. So it's run on the ground by Ghanaian people who I've met and they're lovely and they run their cooperative and they they then plug into fair trade fair trade comes and and you know checks their paperwork and, and checks their farm every now and then like they do me too they do surprise checks um, and audits on a regular basis to make sure that what I import is what fair trade and what I'm selling is fair trade I never asked you the most obvious question so forgive me why is your company called the exploding tree so exploding tree um, is the name that I came to the 
when I came to Ireland, that's the name the chocolate had. It was Exploding Tree. And that's actually, I nicked that name off my husband's record label. He was, he had Exploding Tree Records in Australia. So when I came here and started selling chocolate again, um, when I started, we were kind of selling it under the same brand, using the same logo. It was just for ease. But Exploding Tree for me means it, I went for, I was Clonic Hilti Chocolate then, so I swapped over and I used the brand Exploding Tree, or Clonic Hilti Chocolate for a few, like five years, maybe seven years. Um, and then I came, once I, I started doing more and more alternative chocolate, more and more unusual chocolate, I realized how important, I'm, I studied, so I went to university and I studied consumerism and globalization. So marketing is something that I feel um, I'm a little bit allergic to at times, you know, I don't like, I'm not big into branding, but I know it's necessary, you know, it's kind of a necessary evil, but I don't want the brand to be, you know, you never want the brand. I don't want the brand to be more powerful. The substance of the ingredients is what's most important to me, but I still, I I learned that you need to communicate to your customers. So exploding tree should, when people pick it up, if you read exploding tree on something, the idea is you're thinking this is going to be different. Exploding tree, what are you talking about? We're talking about cocoa trees. We're talking about origins. We're talking about nature. And like the word exploding is like, 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 you know, exploding your mind. This is something different. It's not conventional. So everything, hopefully everything about the packaging is just saying this isn't going to taste like we've got goat's milk chocolate and oat milk chocolate and like the hundred percent of these kind of weird things goat's that you know, wow. it's not, it's not normal and it's yeah. not trying to be normal. And, and of course the message is no trees were actually harmed in the making of this chocolate, which is <laughs> yeah. important. Do you genuinely deliver by bike? Yeah, of course. Yeah. We run a, we also run a bicycle festival. So we've 10 years running the Clonic Hilti bicycle festival here. And, and I'm also, um, Part of, I'm an organizer of our, we have a local community bike workshop. So bikes is my other passion. I sit on the, the board of the kind of the directing board of cycling.ie, which is the national, national cycling network. So I do a lot of works with bikes. That's my other big passion. So yes, deliver by bikes. We don't have a car, yeah. but that's Clonic like. So that is the that, nature of West Cork. Look, you, you've embraced West Cork. I know you've been there since 88, but you've yeah. embraced it with both hands. You're, you're more West Cork. Yeah. <laughs> you're more West Cork than some of the West Cork people down there by the sound of it. But look, the website, if people want to buy, I mean, okay, you're not going to deliver by bike to the city, but you will deliver yeah. by post. It's explodingtree.com. Yeah. I really want to chase the goat's milk chocolate. So I'm going to have to order that myself for a bit of a taste. But Alison, you have been a wonderful distraction from the other thing that we spent so much time yeah. talking about for the last couple of weeks. We wish you and your husband the very best of luck. Alison Roberts, founder of the Exploding Tree Chocolate Company in West Cork. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much. I just say too, a massive thank you to everyone who's ordered over Easter. We had a, we had a really great Easter with, I feel, a lot of people supporting local. And I just want to say, as small producers, we really appreciate that. And thanks to everyone for all your all your support. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie Now my next guest is one of the minds behind Ireland's first artificial intelligence college course recommendation software, which probably doesn't make much sense to you if you're not of college going age, but is of huge relevance if you're the type of individual or at least have someone in the house who's filling out the CAO form. Nathan Mays of uni.ie. How are you? How are you, Jonathan? Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. Now, that's uni, Y-O-O-N-I dot I-E, but presumably it's a play on university, is it? That's it, yeah. Jeez, it came after a lot of messing around on a whiteboard. Kind of something between university and your university was, was what we were looking at. <laughs> okay, well, you've settled on a name anyway, which is half the battle and people will understand it. Now, again, I didn't do it a great service there in the introduction. What does uni do? 
Yeah, absolutely. We uh, you did a great job. In fairness, um, we our whole thing is basically helping Leaving Cert students and their parents find the best college courses for them. Um, what we've developed, as you said, is course recommendation software. But where we differ is that we've used past graduate data, and we use this data to match um, Leaving Cert students of today with the best fit college courses for them. And we base these recommendations off a student's Leaving Cert subjects and their predicted results in that subject. Okay, so um, you you have somebody who's desperately trying to go uh, to a course, say medicine. Let's let's choose mm-hmm. the one that everybody goes for. Does this help them work out whether or not it's an achievable goal? So I suppose I wouldn't look at it in that sense. What we're looking at more is say, so right now a couple of weeks ago we launched our software for core courses, UCC and CIT. So say you're a student and you're kind of struggling to figure out what you want to do in college as I was as a lot of people are oh I was the same yeah I didn't know what I was going to do yeah um, as are most of us like so what you can do is you come through to our platform you come through the website you can click find your uni fit um, and what you do then is you get access to our survey to put in your information and what we're mainly looking at is a student's academics so we run through their current academics their leaving our subjects their predicted grades through algorithms and then we present them with personalised course recommendations so a student will get a list of 10 courses. You get five from UCC, five from CIT. You can use the platform to discover more about the courses, do a bit of research, and we then send you a personalized report. So I suppose what we're looking at really is those students who are a bit lost as to what they should do or need to solidify confidence in what they're going to do. And it's a purely non-biased academic look at what might suit you. So we don't look at interests or anything like that, just purely what would suit you academically. Okay. Um, now, is this a way that, universities can push courses on students. So in other words, we know the way that the system works. From Mm. year to year, it varies. Maybe one year arts is very popular, maybe another year it's not. Uh, Like, do the universities have control over what is pushed to the students? So could they end up recommending a course that might be a little more empty this year than last year? No, absolutely not. Um, That's definitely something we'd like to avoid. Um, By all means, it's purely non-biased recommendations. So that's the idea behind... What we have done is to to start from where we developed the software, we were lucky enough to partner in with UCC and that allowed us to access uh, anonymized past graduate data. Um, so what that does is then we analyze that data. So we look at students who say come through courses successfully. We look at the degree they did, how they did in the degree. And then we look at what Leaving Cert subjects they did back five, six years ago. We then use those insights to develop our algorithms that match a current student through to a course. So there's no kind of outside bias of a person leading that student to say, you should do this, you should do that. This is relevant now. This isn't relevant now. It's purely um, an artificial intelligence take on it with that analytics that's going to be non-biased matching to a course. So, you know, by no means we would be uh, looking at, say, what courses are or aren't oversubscribed or anything like that. Uh, What do you think uni would have thrown up for you if you were unsure what you were going to go to college and study? Oh, I've um, I've tested it with my results many times. <laughs> um, I was lucky enough, actually, that I did electrical engineering, and that's the one that keeps coming up for me. Um, so I get elect-eng, um, architecture comes up, a uh, couple of mathematical courses, and, and you can see it, actually, when I look at, back at my subjects, that I would have been strong in maths, strong in physics. Um, I loved DCG, design communication graphics, so I would have kind of leaned that way. But when I was actually back in the leaving, I didn't see it that way at all. Like, I was... Up until the last minute, I was very close to doing music. I was looking at architecture. I was looking at different sciences. I was kind of lost. I only ended up doing engineering then because it seemed like something that was broad. I was worried about pigeonholing myself into something that, you know, I didn't know who I was going to be 
by the time I finished college. But um, yeah, engineering gets thrown up for me and it's actually what I ended mm. up doing in college as well. Okay, so therefore the, the, the system works even if you did design it yourself. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the real question I have to ask you, right, we are living in strange times, um, Nathan mm-hmm. Mays. Uh, and, and And the wonder is that this year, the Leaving Cert, we don't know when it's going to happen. <clears throat> we believe it's going to be either later in the summer or in September. And there's a lot of yeah. anxiety and stress on students right now. Is is that is is your platform helping them? I wonder, or or has it been amended or adjusted to allow for that little bit of extra time uh, between leaving cert and starting the new college year? Well, it's a funny one. See, it would have really affected us if the CAO was also delayed. But I was only just looking at the CAO website again today, um, and they have a in fairness, they have a section there: uh, COVID nineteen FAQs. Their dates are still the same as they always are. So come 5th of May, um, change of mind for CAO opens. 1st of July, it closes and that's it. Um, unless there is some new updates after that. So students will still need to make their decisions about courses before the 1st of July either way, um, which is tough. I mean, usually you have a chance to look at your course choices after doing your exams and all that. And, and now they are going to be pushed back to later in the summer, it seems. But the CAO dates are still as they stand. Um, the CAO seems to be in talks with the Examinations Commission um, and then them and the colleges will be deciding, you know, how offers come out. It might be delayed as well. But in terms of when you actually have to make your choices, unfortunately, it is still 1st of July. OK, um, and, and that's obviously going to put pressure on some students. Uh, look, time, this yeah. presumably is scalable. So in other words, you've mentioned UCC and CIT. Have you done it for other universities? Is there potential to spread this out right around not just Ireland, but Europe and God knows where else? Yeah, that's absolutely the plan, Jonathan. We, um, so we've launched it here in Cork. Basically, it was the first step for us. Get it working, um, help as many students as possible and see how it works. Uh, come September, we want to launch nationally. So have a platform that can recommend any college course throughout Ireland. Um, and from there, we just want to drive on. Look, there isn't similar resources doing it the way we're doing it, either in the UK, Europe, the US. So uh, there's a lot of markets there we'd be very interested in trying to get into okay. after this year. And look, the question I should have asked you at the start, I know you guys have been supported by the Ignite program at UCC. Yeah. You're probably very young, annoyingly young. How old are you? Uh, we're both 25. Yeah. I feel that young now. Yeah, well, I, trust me, come here. As a 44-year-old, nearly 45, I can tell you, you're still young. Uh, so the world is your <laughs> the world is, is, is your oyster. You're just looking to see how far you're going to get this. Ah, yeah, look, sure, that's the plan. We um, we both came out of college. You know, we graduated back in 2017. Hadn't a clue what we wanted to do. Didn't really want to do grad jobs. We ended up saving up a bit, going travelling for a year, and then... We saw dropouts in our course. We saw dropouts further afield. And me and Dara both kind of wanted to start a business for a long time. So we said, let's give it a crack. And we were lucky enough to have things like Ignite. Like coming out as engineering graduates, we had no tech or we had tech skills. We had no um, business expertise or anything like that. So you're kind of coming into an environment there where you're around other people starting businesses. You can get advice off people. You tap into a network. And similarly with programs like New Frontiers, they're, they're great. You know, if you're coming out with a business idea, but you don't know exactly how to put pen to paper, I suppose they're 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 good resources. Well, look, it's a really interesting area that you're in, um, and it's one that is continuing to grow. Uni.ie, y o n i dot ie. Particularly if you have a leaving cert student in your house, and God knows they're stressed enough as it is, this might help them navigate that path a little bit more. Nathan Mays of Uni.ie, pleasure talking to you, my friend, and the best of luck. Cheers, Jonathan. All the best.
The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie Now there are different types of businesses as we know. We've been featuring a lot of them who have been directly affected by the COVID-19 crisis and the work that they've been trying to do to get out of it. Well my next uh, guest has been working on a very different type of business and one that is now asking people to think about what they might be able to do in September to spread the message that she wants to spread. Nicole Ryan, CEO of Alex's Adventure. How are you? Thanks for joining us on Red Business. I'm good, Anthony. Thanks. How are you? I'm good uh, in the circumstances, thankfully. Um, Let's talk about Alex's Adventure. Um, There is a story which many people will be familiar with that's behind it, but you might just remind people about why you set up the company. Of course. Um, I set up Alex's Adventure four years ago um, after my brother Alex went to a house party out in the Greenmount area in Cork City. He went there, he took a synthetic substance, believing it to be something less potent, and he ended up going to CUH. He, he had cardiac arrest. And he passed away four days later. Um, he never regained consciousness. He was pronounced brain dead. This was a terrible story that we all heard about, but no matter how shocked the rest of the community was, it, it couldn't even come close to the shock that you guys would have felt at, at losing Alex. Um, you, you could have reacted in any number of ways, but you, you chose to dedicate, I suppose, the next couple of years of your life to making sure that lessons were learned, didn't you? Yeah, I just felt that, um, like, after my brother died, he was my everything, so I literally had lost every single thing that I'd ever worked for to that point. And I didn't want him to be just a statistic or just a number or just some name um, because he's a lot more than that. And, you know, sometimes people can just forget that. Um, And he's definitely certainly much more to that than that to me. So I knew that there wasn't going to be really much done about this because it's happened since, you know, there's been other poor young kids that have died from drugs in the last while. um, And I knew nobody was kind of, going to take that initiative or bring about the change and I was at a point where I literally had nothing else to lose. So what does the company do and, and, and how do you do it? Um, so I'm a, basically I'm a social enterprise but I'm still I'm a for-profit business and um, but social impact is at my core. So um, I start off with the workshops so I do workshops for corporates now I do workshops for schools youth clubs communities um, all that kind of stuff basically everybody and I've also began doing a program just specifically for youth reach students and schools and also I am launching a new program for secondary schools all over Ireland um, that can access it where it'll help teachers basically teach the topic without having to go through the effort of learning everything and doing all the lesson plans. And it gives the young people that kind of external feel so that they're not being taught at by their teacher. Yeah, and this the reason we're talking about it now is that you're trying to recruit schools for September when they, when they open again. I mean, you, yours is a different kind of business. You're a social entrepreneur. Uh, you're not out to make millions on the back of this. You're just trying to make a difference, aren't you? That's basically it, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if I make millions, fantastic. But if I make a lot of millions, that means that a lot more people will be able to access this and it'll have a bigger reach, a bigger impact um, from this because literally it's always, to me, it's about just helping that one person just stop at that party and think twice about what they're doing because my brother didn't have that education and he sadly didn't think about it. 
Hmm. I mean, we're we're at a time now where everybody's cocooned with their families and, and we're all home. There's no pubs. There's no house parties. Uh, you know, this this is a really surreal world. And in, in many ways, we're kind of resetting, aren't we? That, that there will be a world after this that we'll refer to as post-COVID. But it's important that we take the time maybe to stop now and go, well, what what was wrong with what we were doing before and how can we fix it? And, and this is one of those ways, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, we are we are getting that reset right now. We're all being a little bit nicer, a little bit more kinder to people. And But I know after post-COVID, everyone's going to be kind of breaking out and, you know, off they go again, having parties and stuff like that. And it'll be a bit of a risky time for young people especially. Um, so, you know, this could be something that can help them. What's it like to, to make a connection with a young person around the same age as Alex about the dangers of these types of drugs? It's it's like it's like getting a piece of him back. Um, it's it kind of feels like that. It feels like you know I just made that connection and I got through to that person, and you know it just kind of makes me feel connected to him again. You know, um, just to know that he's helping others, even though he's not here anymore. Do you see a bit of Alex in these young people who are all good kids that that might go out have party? may end up making silly choices, silly decisions. Do, do you see a little bit of him in, in, in the others that in you encounter? Every single young person that I meet, there is a piece of him in it. Um, you know, they're they're not bad. They're just young. They're loving life. They're fun. They play sports. They like music. They like all these things. And he's always a, like, there's always a piece of him in that because he was just like them. Do you ever think we're going to reach a point where these kind of drugs aren't having an impact on on young people. I, I mean, is it is it just education? Do you think that'll make a difference? I think education is the very first basis of this. You know, the foundation that you lay everything else on. I don't really think that there'll ever be a point where you know drugs aren't an issue. <laughs> That's just unrealistic, and they'll always be an issue, and they'll always be there. Um, but it's about educating because all you can do at the end of the day is give somebody all the information that they need and it's always going to be their choice. You know, they can have all the information, they can still make the wrong choice, but as long as they have that, they can make an informed decision. How do people get in contact and who do you want to speak to in particular? Is it teachers right now who may be at home preparing study plans uh, for for when they go back? Uh, Who needs to contact you? That's it, exactly. It's teachers, it's... um, principals ideally because it's for schools um, and anyone that's interested in you know helping or facilitating or planning their curriculum for next year because this fits into their SPHE and RSE modules as well so basically schools and teachers is who I'm looking to get in contact with Okay and how can they contact you? Is there a website they can, they can look website, up? They can go yeah they can go onto the website which is alexadventure.ie or they can email me with nicole at alexadventure.ie or call me or anything oh. like that Okay, Nicole, well, look, we wish you the best of luck. Now is the time to start thinking about this kind of thing for when we're back to normal. It's, a, it's a, as I said, a very different type of business to that which we featured of late, but uh, one that has a very important message that, that carries the memory of your brother very close indeed. Uh, Nicole Ryan, CEO of Alex's Adventure. Thanks so much for talking to us in Red Business. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget, you can download every episode of Red Business from redextra.ie. 
Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer and we'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie.